Daddy, this is crazy, man. You got everybody thinking that we're kissing sisters out. See, I mean, at this what, point, Danny, you're drunk. Like, you know how you know how everybody says when you it's when you tie, it's like a brother and sister kissing. Like, no, you never heard you that. You never heard before? that? Oh, you're a wild no. bro. That's the battered way of looking at things, though, right? Because we're the battered hair on speed. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Chris, the herons are back. Welcome to episode number 50. I didn't even realize it until I just said it. Chris, we hit 50 episodes already. It's How you doing, sir? Good, man. 50 episodes. That's that's an achievement all in its own, right? I'll take I that. Mean, seeing as how we're uh, suffering most of the time, yeah. That we stuck yeah, it out yeah. 50 times. For sure. Yes. We're making history. What is this? The third time we have a six-game losing streak. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling real good. <laughs> Sarcasm. Um, so we have an interesting show. We're going to talk, obviously, about the losing streak, the game on Saturday. Um, and we're also going to talk about Miami FC coming up on Wednesday. Uh, we wanted to get uh, somebody from Miami FC onto the show to help us preview that uh, game. We contacted Dade Brigade through IG, through Twitter, and they kind of just, you know, completely ignored us which is okay i understand what were they going to get out of coming on here anyway so i get it listen but no you know what you could be very political you could be as political as you want one thing i forgot to mention to you before the show is miami fc reached back to me mm. i messaged them and they mm -hmm. answered me back multiple times so whatever get out of here Okay, but they didn't offer anybody. The thing is, I, I don't see why they, they did. Would they come offered on that yet. same guy that just blew us blew us away. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't see why they would come on here. Like I said, I, we contacted them more because Chris really wants to talk to somebody from there because Chris is really looking forward to this game on Wednesday. Me not so much, <sighs> but we'll get into that later. Let's talk about the losing streak. So six in a row, but. I think this is the first time in that six-game losing streak, maybe the NYCFC game to an extent because we lost on uh, an own goal, and maybe the Chicago Fire game because I really do think that maybe we didn't outplay them, but I didn't feel like they outplayed us necessarily either. We kind of coughed that game up. But outside of those first two, this is the first time I think that we should have won. Like, we let this one slip through our fingers because we had – many more chances than they did and i think we played much better than they did but at last it's still a loss what do you think about saturday's game against houston while i look through these comments that are coming in fast and furious listen i thought that the game was probably the best game that we've played all season all season overall i feel like this was legitimately the best game and for all you clowns out there all you Facebook people and all you other payasos, right? Put your mascara Biasos. on and everything. Whatever. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I am really, really done with this fire fill stuff. Like, we legitimately had our best game. Look, look, let's let's get this out of the way real quick, all right? Forget about the foreplay. Let's just dive right into this. We're not going right? to talk about... Okay, let, all right, let's go straight to it. All right. I mean, we, we can... So, uh, all right. No. You, no, you go ahead. I mean, you go ahead. You go. I mean, th th there's not too much to get into it. I mean, as far I'm as the game goes, today. we continue to play up the wings, right? I think over 75% of our offense was 
brought up through the wings. It was on the left side, Stefanelli overlapping runs by Negri, and then crossing it in. On the right side, Pizarro would drop down to the right. Yellen would be on the right, overlapping runs, cross it in. And then Campana was connecting on a lot of headers. He There was, to start the game, I want to say like minute seven or eight, I think he had a, a clear header that I wish he would have jumped to get some more power behind it, but he just let it land on his head. He kind of uh, kind of angled it to the corner. Keeper got a hand on it. That was the first great chance of many good chances that we had that game. We constantly had shots off the post by uh, by uh, uh, Mota from outside the box. There was one that I thought was going to come in. Coco had a couple of good shots. Coco had one that kind of grazed the defender's body and just barely went to the left of the post, just missed. Like, we had a lot of chances. So, because you want to get on the fire fill, and I see the chat is fed Neville out crazy right now. So, uh, yeah, everybody's you know, I, on the Neville out train. So, something before else, we man. get, because I'm going to go to Chris about this, but before we get onto this, at any point, do we give him credit for the fact that he put a team out there that had these opportunities? If some of these players convert on two, three, or four of these goals, because there was a lot of opportunities, we win the game. Are you still saying Neville out if we win this game? I I, I give it off to you, Chris, because I know that you're fired up. Listen, Matthew, Matthew's out here saying Neville out train. I was very close to at least walking on the platform. But now I'm I, I've literally taken the staircase back up. I'm not even near the platform. This last game to me, it, it's a perfect example of uh, the ball bounces one way or the other kind of deal. If we would have scored one or two of those goals that dinked off the side of the bar, everybody mm -hmm. would have been having a completely different conversation. We not one person in this chat nor in the fan base would be saying fire Phil if we won this game, but because we didn't win and some weird old goal happened, right? Now it's fire Phil. It's it's a it's a house fire. Everybody's going crazy. Like what is going on? Uh, I love Andres Castaneda's. He hit the choo choo <laughs> choo choo choo. Everybody's on the train. Look. I know Chris is not on the train just quite yet, but look, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn. I'm torn because I know that everybody's on one side. I know you're completely on the other side, and I find myself somewhere in the middle because I feel like if you lose six in a row, somebody's got to pay the price, and usually it's the manager. The first five games, we looked like shit. Yes, the sixth game, we looked decent, but, I mean, we still didn't win. What, what were you going to say, Chris? This is the best comment right here that Lucas just brought up. No subs till the 80th minute, right? That is one thing which I'm going to give some credit to Don Cafecito. He uh, he had a, a, a Twitter, uh, you know, gangbang going on or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and 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 uh, and and basically, uh, every, I, I don't know. So everybody ended up joining in this. And uh, and so the, the one true thing that I mentioned and other people sort of mentioned as well is that there was no subs until really late in the game. Like, that's one mm -hmm. thing where I'm going to tell you, Phil, what in the F are we doing? Like, well, I don't know why I censored myself. I just talked about a gangbang, right? Like, what are we mm -hmm. doing here? So mm -hmm. I, I think that making that last minute substitution was really brutal for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And that's on Phil. That that for sure, I'll put it on Phil. But this team performed better 
in this game than in any other game. And if yep. the if the result was different, everybody's mindset would be different. We'd be going into this Miami FC game, not even considering playing the starters. But there's a lot of people saying, hey, now we got to play the starters. I mean, what are we doing? Look, we had, as far as yeah, possession goes, I want to say possessions, we had a lot less than half, somewhere in the 40%. But we had nine shots on target. No, sorry, five shots on target, nine total shots. Like, we had our chances. Like, at some point, Neville gets some credit. So I, I'm with you, Chris. I'm with you, Chris, to an extent. I mean, but get these guys like, on here with you before they turn out to be clowns on Facebook. But, okay, so at what point are you on the Firefield train? Because he has lost six in a row. Oh, my God, man. If he keeps starting Stefanelli, then we got problems. If he keeps starting Stefanelli, then we're going to have some Who would you start problems. instead of Stefanelli? I'd start Taylor. Without a shadow of a doubt, Taylor's starting okay. over over Stefanelli because Stefanelli's okay. done absolutely nothing. I agree that he hasn't done necessarily anything, but I don't think he was that bad this this past game. He had a couple good crosses. Uh, he, I thought he was playing well with Negri on the left side. So I think that he's looked since they moved him over to the left. I think he's looked a lot better than when they had him playing the ten. And I, we still don't have a ten. That's why we're still not playing up the middle. But out of everybody that's been in that 10th spot, I think Pizarro has has looked best in that 10th spot. So although our team is still working without a 10, although we're still not happy with the way we're playing, I think that he has been tweaking some things. He realized Stefanelli isn't working at the 10. So let's move him to the I, left. I think he's played better there. I think, first of all, and, and I just put up a comment here. Um, it, it wasn't Adrian's. It was... Uh, Andres, right? What about Duke and Lasseter starting in Montreal? Listen, let me tell you something. I'm gonna. Everybody thinks that uh, that it was Phil Neville playing Bryce Duke incorrectly, which he was playing Bryce Duke in in, in a poor position. But it's like we said, like two, three podcasts ago, you're taking your best players and you're gonna put them on the field. You're gonna try to put the best players. Period. Right at that point. Regardless if he played Bryce Duke or not, like we have nobody that's going to fill in Gregory's uh, Gregory Gregory's role. So, I mean, what are we going to do? So you're going to throw in Victor Uyoa or are you going to put Bryce Duke back there and hope that the skill that he has overcompensates for the position that he's not used to playing? So I'll take Bryce Duke in a CDM position just to get him on the field because he's talent. Look. I've been talking about it for a while. I, I I think it's a disaster that Bryce Duke was traded. But you know what? Everybody's talking about the 10 this and the 10 that. At the end of the day, there's nothing being thrown towards Hendo's way, right? Because now everybody's oh, skeptical. Now, oh, now, now, everybody, oh, now everybody's oh, thinking. Oh, <laughs> now, everybody was back to me a month ago. Okay. Listen, but it's true because at this point, we're waiting for the messy sweepstakes. It's already getting messy, in the words of uh, in the words of Peter Brown. I was uh, watching the podcast, and mm -hmm. we're getting it's ridiculous at this point. We got rid of Pozuelo, the girl that we had, for some girl that we might have, and at this point, like we don't even know where the hell he's gonna play. I mean, the Saudi Arabians can come in with a gajillion dollars, and boom, he's gone, right? 
I think they already offered him half a billion. He's not going over there if he doesn't take that. And just real quick, just to clarify, Matthew said Taylor is not a 10. I don't think Chris was saying that Taylor would come in to play the 10. No, no way. Since Stefanelli, no moved, since Stefanelli has moved over to the wing, I think that Taylor could take that spot on the wing. I think that's what Chris was referring to. As far as the 10 goes, that is a Pizarro right now is the best thing we have so far, at least so far this season. That's the best he's looked. I wish we yeah. would have gotten a chance to see Duke out there, but we didn't. And... I wouldn't necessarily correlate Montreal finally winning a second game with Bryce Duke and Lasseter playing. They won like uh, some Canadian game, uh, Canadian Cup game. But as far as MLS goes, I think they've won one game since they got there out of the two that they played. I wouldn't attribute too much of that to Taylor. And, I'm sorry, to uh, Duke and Lasseter. Listen, uh, Matthew, get out of here. Okay, get out of here. Henderson in, Neville out. Henderson is the guy that brought you Stefanelli, my friend. Where is that kid? Where is Pozuelo when you need him the most? Where's Messi? Where's all this chess move? The moment that we start to see these chess moves come into play and then Messi just slots right in, all right, then we're talking. But all well, of this chess moves for Stefanelli, get out of here. I've seen a lot of people uh, bringing up the fact that uh Carranza has looked so much better in Philly instead of over here. He was a striker. He could have gotten time here. Henderson's the one that gave up on him. I don't think that that's on Phil Neville. I mean, he was a striker. He could have played the nine. It's just that he couldn't play over Higuain. And I think I, I, if he, I don't I, like that isn't necessarily on Neville, is it? I, I don't think listen, so. Listen, this is the harshest truth. All of you guys are going to be listening to with the battered herons here all season. We're just punching you in the face with just straight facts. Or they're just going to jump just off and think they're idiots. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know what? Go put your uh, the, the the clown masks on while you request for Phil Neville to get fired. And then talking about, talking about other coaches, right, Danny? Mm -hmm. You were talking about mm -hmm. other coaches and other options. Yes. Now, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know names of other coaches okay. or what they've right. done or who they are. I know basketball. Right. I know football. Give me like a Phil Jackson or like a Pat Riley that's going to come over here. Like what What are names out there that are like legitimately available that are like good coaches? Because All I can right, imagine so that out of 100 coaches available, 95 of them are straight trash. So, so just, everybody's. Uh, 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 yeah, go ahead. Just a, a, a peek behind the. Uh third wall or fourth wall whatever we usually have a show sheet and we try to like follow it but because this is so phil neville like heavy i think this is just going to go to hell we're just going to be just throwing shit out there okay so that's fine i just just giving it if, if we sound like I, we're all over the place it's because it seems like today we might be we so might now be. that you brought we up are. the other the other coaches let, let's just talk about the other coaches so jason christ is who i think automatically becomes the interim coach if neville were to get fired now, Jason Christ, for those that don't know, coach his first managerial job was Real Salt Lake. He won the MLS Cup with them. I think I want to say it's 2009, I want to say. And then he went and he coached NYCFC for one year. Then he was the Orlando coach, I want to say, for like two, three seasons, give or take. Um, if he were to take over, he loves playing possession ball and he loves playing the diamond. When he played with all his teams, he kind of ran the diamond, the 4-4-2, which is basically what we've been preparing to play all year for anyway. So if that were to happen, just expect us to play the 4-4-2 diamond, and that's who would take over. But I can't imagine 
that after things go so sour with Phil that they would go ahead, take Jason Christ as an interim and keep him on for the rest of the year. So I think that we would go after somebody else, a bigger name. Now, I've been saying Tata Martino since they gave Phil Neville that one-year contract. As soon as they gave him that one-year contract, I came on here. You can check the archives. And that very next episode, I said, Tata Martino is going to be the next coach. So that's what I really thought. But maybe that doesn't happen. I think that would be a great option. Obviously, he's had success in MLS. He won the, uh, the MLS Cup with Atlanta. He also has a history with Joseph Martinez. Some of the Joseph Martinez's best years was with Tata. And he also has a relationship with Messi because he coached Messi when he was in Barcelona. So I feel like all signs point to him being the guy. That's why I've been saying he's going to be the guy that takes over. But somebody that not many people have brought up that I would like to see if we don't get Tata, I would love to see Patrick Vieira come and be the coach for this team if Neville gets uh, gets the boot. Gets canned. Vieira, sixth. Vieira hasn't necessarily been very successful in Europe. But while he was here in the MLS, he had NYCFC rolling. He left in the middle of the year when they were the second best team. I forgot who was in first, but they were second, right behind the first tier to go ahead and get the supporter shield. And for Lucas to say, no way, Vieira. I want somebody that has European experience, but that has done well in MLS. Name me somebody outside of Tata that has coached in Europe and also had success here. He never failed here. Jesse Marsh, I, 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 somebody in the comments just wrote Jesse Marsh. I can't imagine yeah, Richard Greenberg. And, I, I don't think that he would come here and be a coach for Inter Miami. I think he's looking for uh, maybe an international position. Look or... at look at what's ha- Go ahead. Look at what's happening now. Everybody's just gonna play, uh, you know, patty cake over here with names of coaches. Anybody else want to look down the list of coaches on Google.com? See what you come well, up with. But but these are all look. I I think that you need a big name for we're aspiring to get i mean we, we don't like talking about it on this podcast anymore but we're hoping to get messy i know i know i'm sorry i had to bring it up so you need a big name you can't get a jason christ you can't get uh, i can't even think of anybody else but you need somebody with some stature to come and be the manager for somebody like messi i, I think that it's necessary so i mean the data to me has been the number one option since I don't know when they gave him that one-year contract, but since they gave him that one-year contract, that said, he's out. Messi's going to say he wants him out, and th- and he's not going to be here. Now, I didn't think that it would be this early because I didn't think that we were going to do so poor that we would lose six games in a row in the middle of the season with a chance to lose a seventh in a row against the USL team, but that's where we're at. So if he gets fired, I think Jason Christ takes over for a little while, and I think Tata is the, the number one option. But if that doesn't work out, I would like to see Patrick Vieira. Listen, at least Adrian, he's 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 not any screws loose in the brain over here, right? Sack Phil. If 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 it does come down to Phil Neville getting fired, then Adrian makes a, a perfect point. Finish the season with an interim. I mean, at this point, you're not attaching yourself to anybody, and if you do de- decide to get the the unicorn of soccer, which is Messi then you're not attached to any coach and you can just go shopping for whoever because at that point, anybody's going to want to come over here and coach, right? So I agree with Adrian, right? If you're going to sack him, sack him and bring some random Joe Blow to finish off the season. The Joe Blow is going to leave with some experience anyway, right? 
most most leagues begin in August, right? So yeah. most managerial positions are going to be filled by then. So these people that have vacancies are going to these these coaches we're talking about will probably be coaching someone by then. Yeah. So we need to make sure we get somebody before the season ends. Okay. We can't expect that to just chill at home and wait for us to be like, all right, guy, it's uh, November. You can come over now. That's not how it's going to work. So we need to get these guys before they start looking for a job somewhere else. So I think that we get them and we get them maybe in the beginning of the summer, maybe. But I can't imagine that we tell Messi like, hey, come over here and, and play with this shitty ass team while we have an interim coach that has coached for Real Salt Lake and the biggest name that he's coached. No, I'm lying. You know what? Jason Christ did coach Davia, Frank Lampard, and Andrea Pirlo. So he has coached big names. But I, I still think that we need to t- address this before the summer if he gets fired. I don't know, man. I, everybody's just throwing these names. I think this is just getting ridiculous. You know, I'm just – let me throw let me throw a, a, a name out here, I guess, and see if anybody sees if he wants to coach us over here, right? Doug Bunny. How about that? How about that? Just random names. Just let's just do that, right? If that's what we're gonna do, like, like just bring up random names. That's not what names they're doing. Of, they're, they're, I mean, they're looking. Look, I, I want somebody to find somebody who has experience in this league because I think ooh, that's very important. This is somebody actually an interesting in league. Uh huh. I mean, look at what Matthew's saying that Phil Neville's the third highest paid manager in the league. Ooh, I didn't know that. I didn't know. I'm going to have to fact check you there, Matthew. I'm going to have to see if I can get some screenshots where the receipts are, homie. All right. Well, his, and his, the, his replacement's going to have to be the highest paid because we're going to have to get a big name is what I'm saying. Listen, I think we can no. coach this team. I want no parts of that. <laughs> bring, I, bring back Ray Hudson. Ray Hudson playing. To, he has the total football. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. I, I, I'm all for it. Um. So now, now that we're like I said, all over the place because Chris's emotions with Finova just just took us on a loop. That's fine. I I do want to know, Chris. You are not on the choo choo train. I get it. Not what would it take platform. to get you there? Because at this point, I think you're just being stubborn. I'm not there fully, but man, I'm close. I, and I'll tell you what gets me there. If we lose on Wednesday, I don't care if it's his fault. I don't care if we had 37 shots on target and all 37 hit off the post. If we lose, I don't care how good we played. He needs to go. I don't care. But what are we doing? I don't with care. That? Like I don't care how good we play. If we lose to Miami FC seven in a row and we get knocked out by them, I don't care how it happens. I really don't. I, I don't care if we, like I said, 37 goes off the post and we score off of a miracle own goal. That, that is just inexplicable how it happened, but it happened. I don't care. If we lose seven in a row and that seventh is against a USL team, he's got to go. I really don't care how it happens. What this gets is, you there, Chris? This is what – you know what gets me there? A poor performance, a poor performance, especially strategically, where they don't get a lot of shots on goal or at least close to the target, and we lose that game. That's what's going to get me there. If you're talking about a 37 uh, attempt game where like strategically everything worked out and we had a, a ton of attempts towards goal, like where is the fault there on the coach? Like it literally takes the players to put the ball in the back of the net. If the coach is like drawing up this system or whatever 
and he's getting I'm, you to the end, and you just can't score the rock. No, 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 no. But but you see, you see, if if that would have been the case for all six games, then I would agree oh, with you. But it hasn't guy. been. <laughs> oh, get out of here, Dito. So if if that would have been the case for all six games, I would agree. But like I said uh, when we started, the Chicago game, I felt like that second half we played better than Chicago did. But the first half we had a poor first half. We got saved by that late Negri goal. So I, I honestly believe that we've been outplayed for five games. Okay, so the sixth game, yes, we played well, but one out of six isn't cutting it. So what I'm thinking is that let's say we we like you said he gets to the finish line, but we're not scoring. At some point, you need a new voice in there. Because the players are feeling this as much as the fans. Like, it's got to be hard to get it up and go train when you just keep losing. And at some point, it's like, why the fuck are we losing? We're playing well. We're, we're playing with our all, but we just can't seem to get this right. At some point, you need a new voice. Like, it's not even about somebody coming and, and changing things up. Like I said, if Jason Christ takes over, he's going to do the 4-4-2, the diamond, which is what basically... We've been waiting for anyway. That's what Neville wanted to do. So, again, it's not anything crazy, but it's a new voice taking over the room. And I think that that might do these players some good because at this point, it's just like a shit avalanche. Like everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and the morale in that locker room is probably very poor. Now, I haven't seen Franco or, or Michelle or anybody really write about the mood in the locker room, but I would assume that it's not very good right now after six games in a row. You lose six in a row, and it feels you got to feel horrible. You and I, Chris, were in a, we're in a basketball league once. And I don't know yeah. if it was the first season or the second season that we had a rough go. And we oh, went yeah. on a losing first streak. Season. And I remember we, yeah. we went on a losing streak. And I remember I was like, man, I'm about to go over there again. It's a Monday night, and we're about to get rocked again. And, like, I would feel defeated even before we went out there, even though I was like, we should be able to win. And eventually we turned it around. But while you're yeah. going through that, like it takes a while for something to click and finally get you going again. And I think they need that either with a win. And I don't think a win against Miami. We should beat Miami FC. But if we beat Miami FC and then we get our asking by Columbus, we're right back at square one. But that's but you see, that's the thing. Like this Miami FC, it's a lose-lose regardless. We lose. I agree. Everybody's on the fire fill thing. If we win, everybody's like, oh, Phil, it's not an MLS But that's how it team. has to be. That has that's so, how it has to be. It's not an MLS team. What one thing I one thing I want to get on with with the reporting, and I want to make sure that I, I put this out there because and, and again I was listening to uh I was listening to to Peter Brown and Uncle Ed's podcast. I shouted them out again. Um, and they made a perp they made a really good point. They feel like the reporters are not being critical enough against the team. And Danny, you and I have spoken a little bit about that. And let's just plug in another podcast, right? You know, we got Solana, who is with This Is Football Podcast. He he tried his chances and he went in and interviewed some of the players, some of the, you know, the coach. And I'll tell you this much. The reporters are just not critical enough. They're not. I, think, I don't feel like. I, I, I don't. I, I think you're wrong. I Well, do you think. The last game that just happened. What, else would, you, what would you have asked that, I, that they didn't ask? I, the last game that just happened was the first time that I legitimately heard the question sounded out. Are you in the hot seat, Phil Neville? Before that, they're playing patty cake around that question. 
They're not asking that question. But they asked it. But they asked it. Eh, But they would, "Eh, so do you feel comfortable, Phil, about your... eh?" No. Like, there's got to be straight-up direct questions to Phil Neville because he's... If he's in the hot seat for the last couple games, then he needs to feel like he's in the hot seat. I don't know. Everybody may have their... People may have their different opinions about Franco, but I never thought that he goes soft on on Phil or anybody. No, I think let me Franco's tell you, pretty Franco, straight up with his questioning. Frank Franco, I think is probably for those that, the that don't most... know. Franco Panizo is a reporter. If you don't follow him, go ahead, follow him. Franco is I, I probably the most up. critical. He's probably mm-hmm. the most critical of them, and I, I just look as a collective. I think that our reporters, and I'm not mentioning names strictly. But I feel like our reporters are a little bit lighter on the on on the team than they should be, or maybe they have the opportunity to be. Because if they want Phil Neville to feel like he's in the hot seat, then it needs to be said and heard that he's in the hot seat. Right? I mean, at this uh, point. Yeah, go ahead. Just real quick, Richard Greenberg asked if I was gonna be going to the game on Wednesday. I don't think so. I don't think I'm gonna be at the game. I will uh, be at the game. I will be. Yeah, Chris is going. Uh yeah. I am going. Does Chris Henderson ever do any interviews? Uh, that's a great question, but a lot of GMs don't do interviews. Um, so, I mean, I don't even know how to answer that. How, how often does does Chris Henderson get in front of the mic? When we go on a six-game winning streak, I'm sure he'll be there. Oh, yeah, for sure, because he's going to talk about how awesome Stefanelli is doing, right? Yeah. But now he's <laughs> not talking about Stefanelli at this point, right? Uh, and where's Pozuelo at, you know? Well, uh, look, like I said, I I don't think that the the reporters are, are that soft with the questions. I mean, maybe you know, maybe you guys expect more, but I maybe I don't expect as much as you. Like, what else could he ask? Are you on the hot seat? Okay, I don't think so. And I, from when I heard him answer that question, he's like, "But I take full accountability. When we don't play well, it's on me." Like, what more do you want? I mean, but that's coach speak, right? Like Lucas just brought it up. Franco asked Phil last week, and I heard that. Franco, I th- like I said, I think Franco is probably the most critical. And he okay. he asked that question, which, I mean, again, it's I feel like this kind of question should have been brought up like three weeks ago when we started. So what you want him to ask, you don't want to, you want to ask, are you in the house? You want to be like, why do you still have a job? Like, that's why what you want do you, just like that. If, I mean, if, if you really think that Why are you suck, still employed here? Why do you suck, my friend? I, I mean, don't I think guess. That, I mean, maybe in different words. Professional. I don't think you can Listen. say that, something like that. I think that they ask it as professional as they could possibly could. Like, how else are you going to ask it? Yeah, I so, mean, there's a lot of different ways to ask it for sure, but directly. I, I, I don't know. Why do you suck, so, Phil? Chris Henderson, I, I, where are you in the back? Why do you suck? Where's Pozuelo? <laughs> in Turkey. <laughs> <laughs> how no. cool would it be? How cool would it be? Is if. If summer comes around and our big signing is Pozuelo. Ah, I fucking <laughs> punch Chris Anderson in the face. <laughs> How awesome would that? That's our big DP signing. We got Pozuelo. We got our number 10. Yes. Uh, at least, you know, he fits the, the Phil Neville, uh, you know, scheme. Well, well that's, right? if, that's if he's still here, right? I mean, <laughs> that's true. That's true. And watch him not fit in with the next coach. It'll be fucking amazing. Listen, oh, I man. told you, Danny. I mean, uh, you got you got Steve just singing the tunes, baby. You know, that's the hard I, questions. Well, yeah. What kind of arroco mango is? Yeah. What kind of arroco mango is that, bro? 
Oh, that's a very uh-huh, Cuban Bobby. saying that my wife taught me. I had, I had no idea what arroz con mango was until oh, I got with my wife. Oh, my God. You All right, brutal. so let's backtrack a little bit. Let's backtrack a little bit. All right, so talked about Chris Henderson. I was very critical because he hadn't really signed anybody to help us out and Neville was getting all the, the fire. But he has made some moves. Dixon Arroyo made his debut on Saturday. Even though Lucas, actually, uh, before I keep going, Lucas, you had us looking like dumbasses out here. You told me, officially out, Dixon Arroyo, Miller, and who else? He, he in Taylor. He said that it was official. And we were talking like it was official. And all of a sudden, Lucas, you, you got us with pie in our face. All of a sudden, they're, they're both playing on Saturday. But anyway. Listen. So, I think Dixon Lucas Arroyo play, I think, were playing. I think Lucas works for the organization. He just tried to put the, put the you know, put the wool over our heads. Try well, to it hide worked because we, we, we bought it. So, Dixon Arroyo and Kamal Harris. Uh, Kamal Harris. Kamal Miller. Uh, made their debuts. What did you think about their debuts on Saturday? Listen, I think, I think that I think that Miller was super solid in the back. I love how they played to how him and Kristoff played together. I think if there's any time, and again, I've I've been a fan for for a short amount of time, but right now I feel super comfortable with the two center backs. Super comfortable. Um. Arroyo, I mean, he's fine, right? He's not Gregory. But I, I was, okay. I, I, I didn't think he was that great, and he had a he horrible was, turnover in, in our own box. He basically gave it to the to the offense. Here you go, have a chance. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, look, he he's fine. He's okay, right? Like, I mean, he's better, I guess, than than Uyoa. He's not better than uh, you know than Gregory. So I, I guess you know. It's a good and a bad. He's okay. He's doing. It's his first game. Hopefully, he can gel in. But I mean, Miller to me, I think is is was a standout between both of them. Um, I feel like defensively, we played very well. Um, one of the things uh, you know that I saw from Arroyo is that he did kind of hustle back and try to get the ball, especially from behind, um, when he was you know trying to run back on defense. So that's that's nice to he see. Better do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he said, I, I, want, I forgot who it was. Somebody said, a reporter said that he came out and he said that he isn't a Gregory. Now, I can't remember where I heard that. But my understanding is that he said that at some point somewhere, that that's not his game. He's not a Gregory. Yeah, he doesn't well, fight for the ball. He doesn't go up for Well, then he's another Mota. We, we don't need that. We need a Gregory or or, yeah. or a, 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 some type of version of Gregory. We need a bulldog back there. And we if not a, a bulldog, at least a chihuahua. Give me a chihuahua that at least makes noise and kind of fights for the ball, even if he doesn't win it. But I need you to fight for it like a chihuahua. You may not win it, but try. But he, he's just telling me that he's not a Gregory. That's already a bad look for me. So, um, oh, and thank you. Sean said that it was Franco that reported that because I know I heard that somewhere. So don't tell me that you're not a Gregory. Oh, that's fine. You're not a Gregory. That's fine. But I need you to try to be a Gregory. Um, but I, I was impressed with Miller. I thought Miller looked for the fact that he didn't even train with the team, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, he almost had the game tying goal at the very end. He had yes, a, he a ball where he just had a little more curve on it. He might have hit the top, the top corner on the left side. Um, but I, I thought I was impressed with Miller. I thought he looked good. Like you said, him and Kristoff back there, I think it's going to be a great duo. I, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that, with that, uh, with that partnering. And I think that's going to be good. But but Arroyo, at least game one, you can't judge him off of one game. But I guess the fact that Miller looked so good with no training and then Arroyo looked eh 
with, you know, two weeks to train, it, it, it discouraged me a little bit. I, the, like I said, the one thing I liked about the back line was Miller and Kristoff play very, Conguelos very, for sure. yes, uh, they play very disciplined. And if there's something that you do one on the, on the back line is you want disciplined defenders where they're not, you know, hacking at ankles. So mm-hmm. I think that's a great thing, especially with Houston being a team that essentially gets freebies in every single game that they play. With, yeah, they lead uh, the lead in penalty gold, penalty yeah. kicks and penalty goals. So mm-hmm. for for that for that to not happen in the game and them playing so patiently and disciplined, I think that that was phenomenal. And that's considering that Negri pushes up to like the other side of the field anyway. So that's going for them. Negri, uh, he played well. Also, I thought he had he gave a. He played well on offense again, though. Like, when I say Negri yes. played well, I always, like, when I picture Negri, I close my eyes and I think about what he did. Every contribution is offensive. Like, yeah, I, I just don't notice him back play, playing defense. I, I don't see him winning any balls. I don't really see him doing too much. Um, and maybe it's because everybody abuses the left side and goes up on Yedlin's side. But I really don't see yeah. Negri doing too much. Uh, now, Joseph came off the bench. We expected that, right? We thought that that would be one of the changes that happened when Neville said that there were going to be some uh, some changes when they came back after that that bye week. What did you think of one Joseph coming off the bench and two waiting all the way until the 80th minute almost to get him into the game? I think it was a huge mistake to bring him on on the 80th minute. That's I'm just going to start off by you know bantering to all you Phil haters out there, all right. You guys make sense in that. I agree with that. But I'll tell you right now, I love the fact that they had the one striker set up. And if we would have won the game, everybody would have said, oh, my gosh, Phil Neville with the great setup of one striker and taking out Joseph, Joseph's trash. It would have been amazing roarness for for Phil Neville. But we lost. I'm still, ups- everybody- I'm still upset that we've only seen – we got five minutes of, or if that, of Joseph and Campana together. I want to yes. see them play together consistently for a couple games. Like yeah, maybe but for they that, do it for the Miami FC. Yeah, but for that, you need the guy that's in Quebec or you need the guy that's in Turkey. And we don't got none of those guys. We got Pizarro, who, you know, I, this was the first game, by the way, that I saw Pizarro gassed in the last 10 minutes. I've never seen him gassed and exhausted, and I felt like watching that game, there was a specific play like in the 83rd minute where they were just like triangling the ball around him, and I said, wow, this guy is extremely just exhausted. But getting back to Joseph coming off the bench, I thought that that was great. I think that's sort of a reality check, like Iguained, right? You want to Iguain him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he came on way too late. Maybe to bring on some heroics or something. He should have came on on the 70th minute, to be honest. But um, a thumbs up, a thumbs up on the benching and bringing on. Thumbs down on when he got brought on. Uh, Sean said that they both need the same thing that they play like they're always on top of each other. I think that with more time, either in training or in actual games, I think that might get better. I don't think that there was enough of an opportunity for them to get accustomed. They had the preseason. Everybody thought that they were looking pretty decent. And that one drone goal, it looked beautiful, right? The way they were playing off of each other. 
yeah. I, I would like to see it more often. I mean, I understand. But at this point, we're losing so many games. Does it really matter if we just test that out? I wouldn't mind seeing them together. And if you bring Joseph in as a sub, that's fine. But bring him in like the 70th minute. Take Campano off in the 85th if you're going to take him off. But let, let's get like a decent amount, a quarter of a game with those two are with them, those two playing, because I would like to see how they look together. Well, and you got Richard Greenberg chiming in if Wednesday's game is going to feature any sort of a squad rotation. I, I, I go ahead. I, I think he's going to listen at this point. Phil is probably feeling the heat more than ever. So I feel like he's just going to, first of all, uh, I saw a tweet reported by Ian Hester earlier. Great, great, great reporting. He reported that they're, uh, the team always trained in the morning, and now they're going to be training, I guess, in the afternoon. Good for them, right? It, it's, 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 time to, it's time to step it up. I guess so that's, it, that's it, their you punishment. Think it's like a punishment? Yeah, at least that's what a lot of people are sort of making it out to be because, I mean, it okay. does suck to have to train at that time with the heat blaring on you. But if that's happening, then that says a lot about who the hell is messing up at this time. Can I ask you a question? You can ask. I know me. you're not the biggest. I don't. I know you're not the biggest Coco Jean fan. I I know this. I love him but now. Coco Jean, by the way. Oh really? Okay. Okay. So yes. You 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 saw he had a few opportunities. Oh yeah. Do Do you think? And I know what the answer is probably going to be, especially in the chat. But do you think if Joseph gets some of those looks, he converts on them? I know he's he's had know. his opportunities and he's whiffed, but. The way Coco had several opportunities. I haven't seen Joseph get more than maybe one or two a game the whole season. NYCFC, he had a couple. Uh, I want to say Chicago or Cincinnati. I want to say he had one or two. But like consistently, like in a span of a half, to have three or four opportunities, I haven't seen it. Do you think if he were to get that many opportunities that he would get one to go? Yeah, but that's but that's the key here, right? Like who's setting them up on these opportunities? So like... Uh, Typically, you have Negri. It was Negri and it was Negri and, and Stefanelli with those crosses that were landing in Coco's lap that that ended up giving him a lot of opportunities. But now at at that point, okay, so then, but Joseph is not getting the same opportunity. Why? Because he's not wide enough. Because he's waiting in the middle of the field with all the towers that are playing center back against them. I well, mean, Capana is now filling up the middle of that box. Now Joseph could, could could kind of break back to the back post and maybe get those balls in behind. Like that, that's where Coco was letting them land. They were landing right in his lap because Campana was commanding so much attention in the middle. And Campana was getting to those balls with his head. Like he's commanding a lot of attention he in the was. middle of that box. It, he was. I was looking, and as far as aerial duels go, we actually won the aerial duel battle, which is surprising because I, I haven't looked up the stat, but I've brought it up just for the last like four or five weeks. How that we're the lowest percentage as far as headed duels, but we actually won it. We won 13 to 8 this week. So Campana's gonna make a difference in those set pieces, those corner kicks in the middle. Maybe that frees Joseph to make up to get the ball at the back post or somewhere else where he can maybe yeah. have some easy chances or easier chances than he's had up until now. Well, and and Alf and Alpha's kicking in saying Joseph feels the pressure. John is playing That's with house also. money. Which, I mean, I yeah, and I, I agree with that. And I'll tell you from just, I guess, seeing it from a, you know, from a fan's point of view, the, the perspective I get from both of these players 
just from the opportunities that they've had. I feel like Coco Jean is living in the in the Jean Mota stratosphere where he, he just doesn't care. He's just going to blast on that ball any opportunity that he gets. I'm pretty sure Coco Jean's thinking all those opportunities I lost on last year, I'm going to capitalize on every single one that I have in front of me. So that's just my opinion. Well, and I love the way that Coco Jean's been playing. I love it. We are now 14th in the East. We're tied for last place with Montreal, the, one of the only teams we've beaten. We are actually. I, I, I actually I want to get into this. I saw a my brother, my brother, or my cousin, one of those two, sent me a tweet, and it was somebody's comment to the standings on Twitter, and they said, "This is why MLS is ruining this sport." Because there's teams like Miami that have only won two games, but they're only a couple points away from a playoff spot. Yeah. Do you feel like this is ruining the sport? I mean, I saw I saw that earlier. I mean, I guess MLS is sort of trying to find their 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 approach, their way of doing things differently, I guess. I don't know. I mean uh, you have more soccer experience than I do. I feel like this is very Americanized in terms of how the the, the, the standings are. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't see a big it. deal. NYCFC uh, just joined us. Not looking good for y'all. Nope. No, we're, we're, we're having a tough time tough. over here. Um, real tough. Okay, us. so this it is, is this is something that that I I've always had. Um, I got vodka in here. I've always had an issue with. I've always had an issue with everybody's hate for the playoff system here in the United States. I think it makes it more compelling. Right now, we have six points, but we still have a chance to make the playoffs, which keeps us interested, right? When you watch European soccer, they're like, oh, we have six points? Cool. Now let's start rooting to not get relegated. Yay! That's what we're rooting for. Let's keep winning a couple more games so we don't get demoted to the second league. And that's why I watch the games. I rather watch the games, hoping that we can make it into the playoffs and we still have an opportunity to win a championship. See, I want to play games that mean something as far as winning a championship. Other people want to win games so that they just don't get demoted. I think that that is the difference. And that's why I prefer the playoffs rather than the whole European where, oh, no playoffs, so basically our season ends as soon as it starts. Th that's the difference. Like, that makes right a lot of now, sense. Right now, like, there's only one champion, and whoever has the best record wins it. That's cool. I understand everybody's like, oh, yeah, but they earned it. Okay, that's cool. That's nice. But that basically discounts half the league by the second month. Yeah, it does. So what's the fun in that? Like, there is no fun in that. It's There's no rooting they, interest. They, no, they've become so accustomed because that's the way they grew up watching that. So that's how they do it. And that's fine. I understand that that's, that that's the history. And, and then, you know, all those uh, uh, soccer purists love it that way. But I don't. Like, I don't want to all of a sudden be discounted. Like, and then you ask everybody that's a soccer fan from Europe. You ask them, hey, who's your favorite team? You'll get Liverpool. Chelsea, Manchester United, Man City, Barcelona, Real Madrid. Why do they like those teams? Because those teams never get relegated. Yeah. You don't see them saying, oh, I like 
Southampton. Like, you don't see a random Southampton fan. No, because they don't. there's no fear of them getting relegated. So don't tell me that you like relegation and, and, and but uh, promotion and, and relegation when you don't root for any team that will ever get relegated. You or just like, like the good teams. Or so they just like random-ass Tottenham Spurs. No, I mean, the Spurs aren't that great. But what I'm saying is that everybody likes that, but because they've all chosen the good teams, they never have the fear of getting relegated. So don't tell me that you don't like the playoff system when we have a chance, even though we're doing really poorly, it's going to keep our interest all the way through October because all the way through October, we won't be out of it because we'll have a chance to fight for a playoff spot, which means our season isn't over. We could still have a miracle run and win a championship. And I think that that's why the playoff system works because it keeps your interest all the way out throughout October instead of halfway through the year. Like, okay, well, we have no chance of winning a championship. Let's just hope we don't get relegated. Like, I, I don't understand why people like that. Well, and I feel like it's more American to love the underdog, you know, all, all or to play for something. Well, yeah, but I mean, but it's the underdog story, right? Like, I I don't know if like every soccer purist listening to this is fucking cursing me out, but I don't give a fuck because it makes no whatever. I mean, but those purists are probably like, ooh, underdogs. I don't like that. I like my kings to own the whole land. No, like, but they feel like it's here. an underdog story because they, they say that they like the the relegation and then they like that the, the teams from the second division get promoted. So they say, oh, but we're rooting for the underdog. We want the second division to come up to play with the big dogs so they can get smacked around and get sent back down to the second division. I, it makes no sense to me. Well, I'm cool with the way that it is. I, I don't want to make any changes, pro, rel, whatever. I actually like the way it is. So, But I could tell why, why people are bothered by it. Mm, I can't. <laughs> All right. Uh, Alpha, please enlighten me. How many? Alpha asked, do you know how many hockey teams have a sub-500 record and reach the playoffs? I want to say none, but I, I'm not sure. You, you'd, you'd have to enlighten me. Um. Lucas chimed in. We haven't used the Tam Gam that we got from the Duke trade. So that means we're going to have to surely use it in the summer, which is what we all figure, right? We figure that all this money and everything, it's not necessarily for Messi exactly, but it might help us sign a Busquets. That is everybody saying a package deal with Messi. So I definitely see why we got that money and we haven't used it. And we'll probably use it at some point during the summer, which is exciting, right? Because that's, we're hoping that we're not completely out of it by the summer. I feel like everybody is just dreaming with this Busquets and Messi crap. Everybody's just in La La Land with this garbage. Like, let's let's be serious. If we tank and this team looks like a garbage bag, you think Busquets and Messi are going to be like, yo, let's go down to Miami and get this shit popping? Like, no. Yes. Yes, because they're the ones. I'd rather go to Columbus, Ohio. No, they're going to be the ones to turn it around. And do you really think that we're going to become a dumpster fire at any point? I mean, the way that it's looking, we might be the entire landfill. Is what we're we're talking about. Well, I mean, the Messi thing. I'm starting to lose hope because I keep hearing so many reports about Barcelona. Barcelona. His kids are signing up for schools in Barcelona. All this other stuff. I, I don't know. I Got I really it. hope that we have a plan B. I mean, supposedly Chris Henderson let him cook and all that stuff that people say. Oh, Hopefully whatever. he's got something. 
All right. Well, I already has his favorite grocery store lined up. Moving on. To, I mean, he lived there for like 20 years. I mean, come on. Of course, Whatever. he has his stuff lined up. Miami FC on Wednesday. Chris, do we see a full squad or do we see the B squad? We Listen, usually see the B squad for this type of game for most MLS teams. I think if if this was a standard game without any sort of pressure on Phil Neville, we wouldn't see Campana hit the field. We wouldn't see Pizarro hit the field. We wouldn't see Negri hit the field. We wouldn't see Yedlin hit the field. We're talking like bare bones, like hide all of our good guys for the next MLS game. But with all this pressure that these Facebook clowns are popping off with, I think that for sure we're going to see like the full squad out there. I agree. Yeah, I I think think they're coming out in droves. Yeah, I think that we're going and we're going to be aggressive and we're going to go for the win. I, I really think that he wants to make a statement. And I think he'll be very aggressive offensively. I think he'll have Yedlin and Negri pushing up. I think he'll leave himself vulnerable to the counter because he feels like they can score. Uh, I know Miami FC, we wanted to have, like I said, uh, a representative from Miami FC to join us so he could talk about the team. But from my understanding, they haven't been doing very well. I know that they beat, I think I want to say Las Vegas or something this past yesterday or one of these days, but it was like the worst team in the league. They've done really bad this year. So if you're a bad team in USL, you have to beat that team. And I think Neville's going to try to do it convincingly, not because all of a sudden we're going to be like, oh, it's Miami, you're back. Thank God yeah. you beat them 3-0. No, but it does kind of give them some breathing room for two days, right? Because everybody's like, all right, cool. We didn't lose seven in a row. We didn't lose to Miami FC. Now do something against Columbus, right? And that's what it'll come down to. But he needs... He needs to win this game on Wednesday. Chris, yeah, go ahead. If he if he doesn't win on Wednesday, are we firing Neville? Does he make no, it? No, man. Of course he's making it to Saturday. At least give him to mm-hmm. Saturday. I think if they lose on Wednesday, there's a Everybody's chance he's going to make it to Saturday. This comments. I think that if he loses. On Wednesday, because it's only two days before the next game, maybe he doesn't get fired. Maybe. But I think there's a chance he does. If he loses on Wednesday and he loses to Columbus, I I almost want to bet the house that he doesn't see Miami on May 6th. I'm almost confident to bet. Because May 6th is the next home game here in Atlanta. And no way are they letting Phil come out there and walk the sidelines when we're on an eight-game losing streak and we lost to USL team Miami FC. So I honestly believe, I honestly believe that if we lose both these games this week, which I feel like Columbus is, is we have no chance. So No, it's not I a gimme either. That's, that's going to be a brutal game right there. I mean, look. Oh, it's on the road. We still haven't scored on the road. Look, talk NYCFC says good luck for sure. Good luck to us. Even though we're playing Miami you FC. Guys also. Yeah, even though we're playing Miami FC, who just beat uh, the worst team in the whole planet, Las Vegas, I, I don't know. And um, it's their first win out of uh, out of seven games. I wish we would have had somebody from the Miami FC side on, but uh, I guess uh, I, I'll, they, I'll reserve myself. They would have gotten nothing out of here. They would have gotten nothing out of being here. Whatever. So Miami FC, we're going to play against uh, those 
by assholes as well. Um, you know, whatever. I, like I said before, the sucky part is is that this is a lose lose. That's the really sucky part about this game. Mm-hmm. Now, the, that's why I'm saying it's got to stretch out to the Columbus game because you can't expect to have all this animosity no, towards Phil. No, because it no because if he loses this game, it's pretty bad. It's a bad look. It's a bad look if they lose this game. To add to the fact that they're on the six-game losing streak, if they lose another game, and not just to anybody, but to a USL side, that's a really bad look. Like, MLS will feel embarrassed if that happens. I don't know if you remember, but they rescheduled our game against Orlando to make sure Orlando had a, a, an extra, or was it, weekend to prepare for the, the final against, I think it was like Sacramento or something, the USL side. Yeah. MLS wants no parts of losing to a USL side. And for Inter Miami, the team that they're banking on, hopefully bringing Messi to the league, losing to a USL team to add to a seven-game losing streak. MLS doesn't even want parts of that. So this yeah. is a bad look. If they lose on Wednesday, Phil might not make it to Saturday. And if he does make it to Saturday by some miracle and they lose that game, I feel almost 100% certain that's it for Phil Neville. Listen, and Alpha just brought it up. If Nev loses, the Moss brothers are basically going to Jimmy Hoffa him. <laughs> and put him up under one of the properties. That's exactly what I see happening for sure. That guy's gonna get put up under like a building in Hialeah or something. Yeah. All right. So, uh, quick, quickly, Chris, your predictions for Wednesday's game. And then look at Lucas talking about Jimmy Butler. Get out of here. Let me tell you, we're not gonna look. I'm starting a battered Heat fans a podcast coming uh, next season. If you guys want to tune in, that's gonna start in October. But uh, Jimmy Butler is another animal in the playoffs. That's enough basketball talk. We'll, we'll talk heat in October. Uh, predictions. What, what, what are we thinking for Wednesday? I predict that this is going to be four goals to one that Inter-Miami wins. Okay. Because I feel like at this point, this team needs the win regardless of who it's against. Um, but more better against Miami FC. So I think this is going to be a, a, a killing for one real quick. Uh, batter Nets fans already exist. I already got that podcast <laughs> going because <laughs> just so you know, I'm just adding to the battered fans network. Uh, I think on Wednesday, I think we Which don't ask him about out... the Nets. Yeah, no, I don't want to talk about that right now. Um, three zero. And actually, I have a batter Jets fans also, Aaron Rodgers. You can ask him about that, baby. You can ask me about that. And batter Dolphins is also going to be recording on Friday after the, yeah, the third round. Yeah, just plug them all, baby. Just, just plug them all. You know, fuck it. We got battered Marlins coming in on Thursday also. We'll have uh, Peter Pratt from Locked On Marlins as a special guest. I got them all going. Anyway, uh, on Wednesday, um, I think that we come out. I think he's aggressive, and I think that we win 3-0. I think that... It kind of loosens the reins a little bit on the whole or, or, or slows down the choo-choo train, right? The fire field train. Not because I think that uh, people aren't going to still want him out. Because like you said, lose-lose. People are going to be like, okay, you did that against Miami FC. Big deal. You're supposed to do it against the Miami FC. But it'll, it'll make us feel decent because if we lose, we're going to feel really, really bad. So you got to make sure yeah. that that doesn't happen. So I think that we win 3-0. I think he's aggressive. I think we win. We dominate, and then we'll see what happens on Saturday. We're going to actually have a special Thursday show instead of Wednesday because of the Miami FC Inter-Miami game. 
So we're going to be live on Thursday previewing the Columbus uh, episode. And we're going to have um, the Wise Men's Podcast, which is a Columbus crew podcast, joining us. And uh, he's going to help us preview the show. So, um, yeah, we got a, a week full of soccer. Uh, anything else for the people? Chris. Well, if you guys have any questions, just chime in in the chat. Lucas just put down he's a Packers fan, and he's happy that the Jets took uh, Aaron Rodgers. And uh, and Richard Green, so, so, uh-huh, go ahead, Danny. I, I, I believe Tom Brady was in his 40s when the Bucks got him, and they won a Super Bowl with him. So, just saying. Uh, go ahead, Richard Greenberg. Richard Greenberg's <laughs> wondering if we're going to start a, a batter Toronto FC podcast. I mean, we basically can. We could just get Italy Jet. Hey, hey, Italy Jet and and Richard Greenberg, and we're, and we're off and running. I, I like it. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> Richard Greenberg, hit us up in the DMs, bro. Let's get sure, it. Sure. Let's get it popping. All right. So, if you're still listening, we appreciate you listening all the way to the end. Everybody in the chat, the chat was awesome today. It was fun. You guys are ready to 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 let loose of Phil Neville, which I kind of get. But uh, I'm not all the way yet. I'm a lot closer, though, than Chris is. And if we lose on Wednesday, he's got to go. He's got to go. Uh, Chris will be at the game on Wednesdays to look out for him. Go say what's up to Chris. He'll be there with uh, – you're going with Jose, right, your son? Yes, I'm going with my son. Yeah. All yeah. right. All right. So he'll be out there, and um, I won't. But I'll see you guys on May 6th when I'm out there for that Atlanta game. I appreciate you guys, and we will talk to you on – Thursday. Thursday, Thursday. All right, guys. Catch you then.